0: Final episode for now.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm like these episodes went by really quickly, and I'm I'm actually really excited to talk about today's topic of adopting the model of autonomous organizing. Um, I think that's like one of the coolest things that we do as a collective. So I'm excited to talk about it.
0: Yeah, me too. I find that this is where I think a lot of our work in different social movement spaces even outside of birth work like all kind of come together um and how yeah and also how we really practice our politics I think this is it's in the process not necessarily in the product of like what we what we're doing like it's not just in us providing birth support as doulas but like our process I'm really yeah I'm also really excited to talk about this because this is also like half of our work half of our work is frontline support work and half of it is running a collective and all the things that go into that and really yeah I think we both really have been transformed or at least I can speak for myself but we've talked about this a lot I think we both I can say we both yeah pretty transformed by seeing this process unfold and how our collective runs and it has really changed how we've experienced organizing in the past and what we can imagine to be possible in different movement spaces even outside of like birth justice work.
1: Totally and maybe it would be good to just start out by reviewing like kind of what our principles are and how we work so that folks who are listening can maybe kind of have like a working understanding of how we operate. So I feel like the first big thing is that we're not a registered or organization, and I feel like that's one of the biggest and first things that comes up for people. Is it's like, oh, like you're a nonprofit, or like, oh, like are you like a company, or like you know, like a birth work, like I guess like business, and we're like none of the above. <laughs> we're a collective, and I think that we we're not an organization and we're not a nonprofit really intentionally um, because of so much of that red tape that like nonprofits have to spend so much of their time doing instead of actually doing the on the ground work that we love to do so much. Um, And I feel like because you're the person who in our collective is writing like all of the grants and stuff, maybe you can speak to like what that process has been like as well like trying to find grant funding. Oh my
0: god. Yeah, so I have like 10 years of nonprofit experience under my belt, Un- unfortunately, 10 years of institutionalized trauma. <laughs> and so yeah, I happen to have these like grant writing skills that I've been trying to use for our collective, but not being a registered organization means that we have limited access to grants because when people donate their money through foundations or through grant programs, they're doing that because they want a tax break because they just make a shit ton of money, and so they need to like donate a bunch of money so they don't have to like pay that amount in taxes. So they want a tax receipt, and they can only fund charitable organizations or like nonprofits. And we're not that, so that just like limits the num- the amount of funding that we can get from grants. And I think at this point we've kind of just been like, okay, we're done with grants like for a while. And we've uh, before we used to do like a split between mutual aid and grant funding, and now we've moved. Fully towards mutual aid, um, but honestly, like that that point about um, not being a registered organization, I think is the scariest and most threatening thing about us to the system and to the status quo. We both had experiences talking to other organizations that we want to like partner with, or we thought we could partner with or work with um, with similar with a similar like mandate and. Anytime they're a registered organization and they they meet with us and they're like you guys are so awesome. Mostly they're like white led organizations and they just want like some sort of affiliation with like racialized people. Oh, okay. But then they find out that we are just like a grassroots group of people that yeah like we don't have a board and stuff and we're like really just community members doing work together, and that scares them so much. And literally people will be like, well we have to talk to our board like. I don't know, like the conversation starts with, oh my God, you guys are awesome. Like, let's do this together. And then it, it just kind of trails off into, well, I don't know, like we, you know, we have limitations on who we can work with. It's like If you have limitations on who you can work with and that limits you from working with racialized femmes and like <laughs> people doing like birth justice and grassroots work, then you're not doing the work. Like if you're, if you're like red tape prevents you from like collaborating
1: with and being in solidarity with grassroots folks, that's not the
0: work. So anyways, I just wanted to say that because it drives me nuts.
1: Yeah. And I feel like a big part of it too has been because we are not a nonprofit um, or registered organization or charity or anything like that. um, When we want to get grants, we have in the past had to partner with different organizations that did have that number. Um, in order to for them to basically like funnel that money through their organization to us. And the amount of like mistrust around being like, okay, well, we're going to need like reports and we're going to need this and that in order to trust that like you can have your own money and taking portions of that money as well as like admin fees when really it's like, just an e-transfer sort of thing and spending so much time in like meetings, trying to go back and forth, deciding whether or not this is appropriate. is just like, it takes so much time away from the time that we could just literally be doing birth work. And so I feel like after a lot of really frustrating back and forth, our collective has just been like, actually, like if we're feeling so stressed out and tired from attending those meetings and doing that, like how is that actually contributing towards like we actually will show up way more tired to our clients and not give as good like birth support (laughs) literally yeah and like yeah, yeah
0: totally and then we end up spending our our collective meetings debriefing those horrible experiences and also like it's not a good look like when you're like a white person and like basically being paternalistic about money that like a per, like a black or brown person like got awarded through a grant for their work and you're then being like oh well it's like you know I did you the favor of being able to access that money and the funder is like hands off and is like you don't need to report to us you don't like we trust you with the money and you're in the middle and you're like oh actually like we don't trust you like it's just not a good look like it's not <laughs> yeah yeah Totally. yeah. Yeah. And I
1: think like what we talked about in previous episodes as well is the ways that like we, we could, in some ways it would be really simple to just simply become like a, you know, a charity or whatever. Um, and get that legitimacy and then be able to get those grants. But then again, we're just going to end up spending so much time getting lost in the sauce instead of doing the work. And so yeah. we just made that decision like, we're just not actually going to do that. So, yeah. So I think like that's one important kind of principle of our collective and our collective governance. And like all of those decisions have always been collective and we've always, just sort of like talked about it at our collective meetings and being like, how do we feel like moving forward? And we're usually like pretty all on board and like all come from different backgrounds. Like you have done this sort of work for a long time. I think a lot of us like haven't done a lot of um, nonprofit work but like come from different areas and we all for the most part end up with the same consensus.
0: And I think what's really cool about the work that we do and the people that join our collective is that most people would not actually call themselves like activists or don't come to this work because they're like, I want to do activism work and I'm going to be a doula. Like that is almost never the case. (laughs) And usually it's because people are coming at it because they have like a background in care work, a background in like healthcare and social work in um caring for their families have given birth themselves have helped people in their families and like in their communities give birth and they're like i want to deepen my skills and then they like arrive here from all these different paths and then we like collectively create a political analysis and i think we like grow from that too as individuals like we learn from each other and it's like you know we have like young people like you and i are two of like the younger people in our collective we have folks that are older like that are like you know older sisters like aunties like so it's also quite like intergenerational in that way and I think that's just the nature of like doing birth work or anything related to family and and birth but I think that's a huge part of uh, like yeah as we expand our collective and include new members like the way that people find this work is is also what makes it incredible that it's not just through like a
1: political analysis or like yeah though that like it isn't all people of that demographic because like I mean my demographic demographic is very exhausting you know I'm gonna be honest (laughs) 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 I hope I'm not I don't think I am but you know what I mean like it's definitely can be a vacuum at a certain point like and very nitpicky around all of the different like you know, oh, this is problematic. That's problematic. I really love that we have people of all, like all generations, really like very intergenerational where people are just like really different perspectives. And a lot of people who've like lived a lot of life experience have like, I mean, so many like moms in our collective and people who just done completely different types of work. People who don't like, I wouldn't like maybe wouldn't consider themselves political or whatever, but are in the way that they do work that is so integral to community. Um, And I think it's like an awesome mix to have. And that's definitely something that I would say like that, you know, The movement needs to include all generations. And I think when it doesn't, it can get really, (laughs) I've been in organizing spaces where everybody's in their mid twenties and it's just so exhausting because there isn't that perspective, you know, like that, that lived experience perspective of, um, yeah, just like something a little bit different.
0: Because our clients, the, the folks that we are here to serve are not politicizing their births. Totally. Right? People are actually just going through like an average life experience that a lot of people go through, which is having a baby or like expanding their families and that like, you know, we're not going into these births. Like we say this at our trainings, right? Like we, we bring in the politics, we talk about obstetric violence and we talk about like racism and the healthcare system and all this stuff. But we also remind all of our like participants in our doula trainings that, hey, but like, we're talking to you about this so that you're aware of it but like, you're not going to go do a home visit and be like, Hey, did you know that as like a Brown woman, like you're more likely to experience this kind of like, no, we're not doing.
1: Oh, totally. And I find (laughs) it, it's so funny too, because like, I like recently had a prenatal where I was like, you know, I, I work with like quite a few clients who are very like, see their birth as like really important, like spiritual experience and different things like that. Like um, and I like, sometimes you can just never make assumptions. Cause like, I went into this prenatal visit being like, do you want to keep your placenta? And she was like, oh my God, why would I do that? What? Like, ew." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." she's like, what, but like, really, why would people, why would I want to do that? And I was like, oh, well, like, you know, like some people will like bury it under a tree or like, you know. I'm a doula I know probably know way too many different things you could do with that plus just like <laughs> oh my god like no no please not and I'm just like okay like and who do you want to cut the cord and she's like um the nurse like what you know what I mean but like yeah. it's not putting our own shit onto other people's experiences around like we can understand like this is political this is you know um maybe yeah. this is spiritual like to us but just being like yeah you're actually just like having an experience and maybe you're just actually trying to like get through it with support and that's it end of story
0: (laughs) totally and I think that that sometimes happens in other movements and other yeah with other issues as well where where sometimes organizers get so caught up in the political rhetoric that really like the issue that people are facing is just like day-to-day stuff right like yeah, I just, I just need to find housing or like I just need to pay rent or like I just need some groceries, you know? Like, and I think that's another thing, another lesson that I've learned that, you know, when we actually do politics in like this political way, it just um, it just really like isolates people and also creates this, like you said, like this vacuum where it's like just really self-serving and just affirms our own, you know, political knowledge and analysis but really most people in the world that still like are entitled to justice and liberation are not necessarily thinking in political ways or political terms um and I think we see that a lot in our work
1: totally yeah Yeah, and I think that like that lends to something we're going to talk about today as well which is like the intersecting issues with birth work um and I think like as doula's working for like BIPOC communities and low-income communities um we see that a lot where it's like and I see that a ton in my work um in like birth work and harm reduction is around like housing where it's like maybe the most important thing to you to your client is like not actually um like the birth experience and like how that's gonna be but like a lot of folks in this city are living in housing that they actually can't bring babies to like like it's not uh, housing that's safe to have a child in and so they're they they will not be able to keep their baby unless they find adequate housing and housing is really really hard to find at an affordable rate in this city and so sometimes the most important thing about that piece around like birth justice and like supporting that birth is actually like supporting that person to get housing so they can actually keep their child and they won't go to foster care. And like, that's like seeing birth justice as like the bigger, um, yeah, just like the the bigger issue of it. Um, And I believe it's um, like uh, Loretta Ross who talks about this as well, but like uh, the right to like parent the children that you choose to have in safe environments and like not just that very narrow scope of like the birthing experience but like what does it mean to have that baby if you're like bringing it back to an environment that is like very unsafe totally or or that you're not allowed to parent in
0: (laughs) yeah I think we're getting into that next topic so let's just get into it in terms of intersecting issues with birth work and where we see these you know, yeah, we see these other issues being closely linked to birth justice, um, but we also see the solutions and, and processes that we have found through the collective as ones that can be replicated in those spaces of or, or organizing as well. And in fact, that makes it easier to actually cr- like build solutions for, for people when we are working with people who are organizing in similar ways in these other issues. Yeah. And so, and I guess like where, again, like when we are trying to find secure housing for folks, there is, you know, one route that we can, we can go down, which is the more like quote legitimate or institutionalized route where we like look for, help them apply for subsidized housing or get connected to a, like a transition home through an organization or things like that. But then like, there's also a different way we could actually address that issue too, is that like, if we had a network of homeowners or people who have access to like additional suites or rooms or things that they can actually like offer their offer with their community members that are in need I mean there have been times where members in our collective have like one of us has had a client who's housing insecure and then another person's like well I'm out of town for this period of time so if they want to like crash at my place they totally can for free right like that kind of stuff like what if we envision a network of like community housing that's available through mutual aid instead of having to always go like call shelters or transition homes or you know um, uh, subsidized housing like that that's kind of what we're talking about like replicating these models in the collective but in other issues and it makes it so much easier to continue to do our work in this way in autonomous ways outside of the system
1: totally and i think that like that lends in well as Um, to like anti-violence and gender-based like violence work as well because like those networks are also the networks that keep people safe and keep clients safe. Um, Like the number of times that I've been so frustrated because like the um, transition homes here or like the um, shelters for like uh, domestic violence they only keep you for like what is it like 60 days or 30 it's like six it's either 60 30 or 90 days. Do you remember? I
0: it's, think it's 30 days. I, I think, think it's 30, 30 days. days. Yeah. And then they tra- that's like emergency tra- like transition housing 30 days.
1: Yeah and so it's like so like frustrating right because it's like people are often not willing to leave like a situation of domestic violence because it's like well what are they gonna like leave for 30 days and then if they can't find housing in 30 days they're just going to go back and things are likely going to be worse. And yeah, so like, where are they
0: going to go after?
1: <laughs> exactly. And so like, it ends up being like the, um, the most realistic um, and like tangible alternative is like staying with a friend or staying with a family member or like, you know, finding somewhere in community that you can stay, um, which is like, again, also complicated, but I think like, what our doula collective does really well is we all have our own networks that we also bring into the doula collective. And so within all of our networks, we're often able to find solutions to some of these problems um, because we all know, we all have people and we can usually kind of troubleshoot and figure it out.
0: And it would be so much easier if that if that kind of work was being done by a group of people that we had relationships with that we can count on. That's why I love like our community pantry and community fridge um, here in Victoria, where like people can just like, yeah, like I, that's a great example of like food justice work in community because it's a project that's led by community. And again, like in an autonomous way, it's, a, it's like a shipping container Uh, with a free with a fridge a freezer and like a pantry area where people can just like drop off food and anyone can access it no questions asked literally there's nobody there you can just like open the door and just get what you need which is you know there's that and then people would say well like an institutionalized version of that is a food bank right and like we know that like food banks are problematic and like not accessible to everyone and so like that's yeah I've I've Um, suggested the community pantry and fridge to like so many of my clients before. So that's like a great example of like another project and community that is supporting our work um, and like vice versa. And then yeah like I think yeah like housing justice, um, food justice is a huge issue that we encounter in uh, birth work. Uh, We have clients who are going home to like empty refrigerators and they just went through like a huge physical thing right and like birth is exhausting and depleting and people are going home and and you know we talk about it's like easy enough to be like oh the first 40 days or the first six weeks postpartum you have to like rest and stay nourished and all those things but are we creating the conditions in people's lives where they can actually do that realistically Mm -hmm. so like yeah food justice is uh, a huge part of birth justice and we have on many occasions created community-based like meal trains where our clients have needed meals, don't have family members around, don't have access to like buying fresh groceries or, or even like the time or space to like cook for themselves. And then we have members in our community who will like come together for a meal train and drop off food for these for these clients um again like just because they like some people have access to food and are cooking meals anyway and they just cook extra and drop that food off um so that's yeah like food justice is is such a which is of course like connected to climate justice and as we as like as yeah we experience climate change we also will start to experience more like food insecurity like we're already seeing like the rise in in prices of groceries like everywhere and it's just becoming more and more of like an issue that we need to be paying attention to and again like we as a collective we see all these issues like magnified when we do birth work but we also don't have the capacity to like address every issue right so we do this in piecemeal ways so it would be so much like I can't I can't um like reiterate more like how how like valuable it would be to have these like you know, sister collectives um, popping up around these different issues um, that where we could like work together in solidarity.
1: So like two things really mind. one around sister collectives is a huge thing that we've been seeing the need for is affordable child care. And so yeah. something like the nesting doula collective, but for child care, that would be yeah. freaking amazing um, because that's something that like, especially as a postpartum doula, we're supporting for like the first three months postpartum. And then every single time we're finishing services, people are like, okay, what, so who, who do I call now? because I can't, yeah. I still need you. And I know you can't do this anymore. So like, who should I Where? And I'm like, I there, it's very hard to find childcare. And also, if you can, it's you probably can't afford it. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just being honest. Um, yeah. And so we've been seeing a huge need for that. And another thing that I want to say, um, just around like the piece about inflation and like food prices and all that stuff is I think like, because we're a collective where all of us are members of the community that we serve, like most of us are facing like one or multiple of the barriers that we're also supporting our clients around. And so I think that like the practices that we have um, support ourselves and support each other in the same way that we strive to support our clients. And so like in the same way that we don't charge our clients for our services if they can't afford, we're also paying ourselves a really good rate for the work that we're doing. So like we charge um, $35 an hour for postpartum care, which is like more than you could like get most places that any of us would work. And, um, and 1,200 for birth. And like i think a lot of the things that i see around like volunteer um volunteer doula services where it's like we'll give you a 20 dollars (laughs) stipend um it's like we wouldn't ask our community members to do stuff like that because we know that they can't afford to and so we're also not gonna ask ourselves to do that because like you we always... can't afford to <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and like i think there's this temptation in like organizing and activism to kind of like burn yourself out for the cause and like to like do things that like sacrifice your well-being and your finances and all the different stuff because like we're just going to do it for the cause and like realistically we can't actually do that and we wouldn't ask those who are like most in need to do that, because we know that it's unrealistic and actually like not an anti-oppressive approach. And so we are also really um, intentional about like not asking our collective members or ourselves to do that either. some other issues that we see intersecting with birth justice? Yeah, um, maybe we can talk about harm reduction a bit.
0: I wonder like what your take is on that because I know that you do that work like in a grassroots way, like through like as an educator, as a doula, as a birth worker. And then I know that you're also doing this in a more like institutionalized way through your other work.
1: Yeah, it's... (laughs) I have so many thoughts um and I think like we talked about this before but definitely like working within like working for Island Health doing like harm reduction and in birth work is like so so different than doing it in a grassroots way um I think like on a broader level like there's the the I really think the childbirth education piece that we do for our clients is such a big part of harm reduction in terms of like harm reduction around like medical violence, like I feel like all of the information that we offer and like the strategies that we offer for like being in the hospital and like experiencing harm and all those different things that are just all way too common are a really big part of like preparing people for like what might be a tough experience. Um, and also like being there with them, like on a physical, in a physical way, um the number of times that I've been with clients where it's like I'm there as a doula and like when I'm there the nurses are nothing but sweet it's just like totally like oh how are you doing today it's a great experience and then like as soon as I leave they're texting me like oh my god she's saying this racist thing and do that and like I don't even think that it has I actually, I know that it has nothing to do with who I am or how I show up or anything like that. It's literally just somebody being there as a witness. Yeah. And somebody who they know is like, they're in a, in a, in a position of like, I'm here to support this person. And I also have connections and I also have networks and I know people and like, I have my eyes on you, (laughs) you know? Yeah don't fuck it up don't be racist don't be shitty <laughs> and like it, it causes people to act differently um so I think like that's a different like just I guess a broader piece of harm reduction um but then yeah it's such a big part of like in terms of like substance use and recovery and all of that it's such a big part of it and I think like there is such a stigma and it's so taboo specifically around like pregnancy and birth it's just it's so it's so taboo Um, but what I really love and something that I've kind of like adopted into my like doula work just for all clients, whether, you know, that they're using substances or are in recovery or not, is just making it really standard practice to like talk about harm reduction. Um, and like, especially, I think we've done a really good job of incorporating it, incorporating it into our doula trainings as well um so that it's like oh so like this is something that i talk about with everybody and da 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 around like for example like um drinking and like uh drinking alcohol and breastfeeding and like the different protocols around that and just little things like that that like give people the indication that you're like a safe person to talk to about substances um because there is so much like stigma around it and there just like doesn't need to be and when there is less of it people can be more honest about what's going on and get more support um so yeah harm reduction I think the nesting doula collective I don't think that it really was as big of a part of our collective and our trainings like I think our doulas like some of our doulas were working in harm reduction but I don't think it was really a part of like our doula collective trainings when we were training newer doulas um until like more recently it just became like oh yeah like why are we not including this as a part of yeah our birth work trainings but i think like it's mostly because it's not it's not a part of most birth work trainings
0: yeah and i think we were seeing we were seeing that like when we're actually doing the work, it's something that we're encountering more and more. And we were each kind of doing our our offshoot, like professional development kind of things. We're looking for workshops and things on it. And then realized actually, this should be like a standard practice and also expectation for all of our members to take a harm reduction approach. Like you said, like, I think you gave a great example of like how to do that just across the board um, and normalizing that. I think with harm reduction, There's like a piece around that that's also connected to like abolition work and anti-carceral movements, um, particularly with First Justice as well, where we see things like child apprehensions related to substance use, like parents using substances or being in recovery or having like previous experience with child apprehension, being Black or Indigenous, like increases individuals like likelihood likelihood yeah likelihood of like being essentially policed and how they parent um and people uh people also making assumptions about their capacity to parent, and uh so like for us as birth workers we also have to be abolitionist um we are actually um especially as doulas who are not answerable to any uh, like to the healthcare system, to the hospital, to the government, um, we we are these ind- like you said these independent kind of witnesses that are present, um, but also provide a very specific service as as well um, that can really make a huge difference when it comes to things like child apprehension or the policing of parents. Or I, like I know folks in our collective do things like if a family is kind of being flagged for for child apprehension or flagged by social workers or the ministry, we go to the family's home when a social worker is visiting and make sure that there's like a witness there that's not just the family and uh, or like a family member, but like we can be like, actually, I'm this person's doula. I'm here in a professional role. And then we like literally help people like clean their homes or like, again, like get groceries in their, fr- in their fridge, like all these things, because we know when we trust these individuals that we've built relationships with to be able to like parent their children and we know the different things that they need that may not be to have their that is like not having their child removed but actually having you know having access to resources having access to housing or being in a safer relationship like all these things and we we know what programs they can access what other things are out there and Actually, a doula in town uh, told me and I didn't know this, but apparently the ministry actually um, notes on people's files, like if they have a postpartum doula, like if the if the family or the birth giver is like bagged by the ministry for apprehension, having a doula actually like a postpartum doula who will be there caring for them it actually decreases the, like the likely, likelihood of apprehension. And it actually like strengthens the person's like case for being able to, and I say case in like in um, quotations, um, for being able to parent their child. So yeah, like we, we also have to be committed to, yeah, ab- like abolition <laughs> and, um, and have to be like
1: actively against the policing of parents um, in our work. Okay. I totally agree with all of that and I always like say to clients who are like dealing with MCFD or whatever that I'm like if you ever want somebody to like vouch for like your parenting or like whatever the fuck you know like they can call me like you know I'm I will like vouch for you whatever whatever that means if that's helpful um, as like a like birth work professional.
0: Talking about this reminds me of the recent, like last fall, um, this was happening. It was on the in the media. Um, I was actually on Get Some Territory last fall when this was happening, where there was a child that was um, going to be apprehended from an Indigenous family there, and actually, like their entire family and community came together and was like, "No, this child is staying in our community, staying on her land." Um, and with her family, and we're going to take care of this child while their like parents get the support that they need. And they were successful in preventing the apprehension from happening, where this child was going to be not only like removed from community, uh, like from her from her parents, but also like from her nation, from her land to a different part of the country um, and they were successful. And this was like, again, like not an organization that came and did this. This was because a group of people in community and family members came together and held rallies media. Like they had members of the media that were like present in community that were there and amplifying what was happening. And they were, yeah, the the ministry was being shamed for what was happening. and. And it was very clear, like there was no reason, like this child had so much love and support. Like there was no reason that this child needed to be apprehended um, from their community and from their family. So I think that's like, that is an example where I see, like, again, grassroots organizing can come together and really, um, yeah, really like have an impact and like, and, and win, right? Like we often like nonprofits and stuff, like talk about campaigns and like, the wins like campaign wins but like these are the wins that actually matter in our communities and um we can we can win without being institutionalized we can win as like groups of people who are coming together to support each other
1: absolutely and i think like one of the biggest pieces ju- is like being able to lean on other um like members of community and organizations as well because Um, as birth workers, we're only actually there. I mean, we might be in community like forever and like have had relationships with folks since before they became pregnant or started this like journey with us together. But um, ultimately, like if we're their birth doula, we stop being their doula at a certain point. If we're their postpartum doula at three months, we stop being their postpartum doula. Um, And we need to be able to set up systems in our time working with our clients that are going to support them um, like once we're gone, you know? And I think like, that's a huge piece is that like we're always kind of scrambling to try and help people implement those systems and figure out who in community can continue that support when we move on to other clients Um, because we, we can't, you know, we can only support so many people at a time. And so when we're taking on two new clients every month, we we do have to stop working with people, unfortunately. And so, um, yeah, I think like having those really strong relationships and being able to rely on other folks in community and other folks in community really being able to rely on us as well is like yeah. definitely how we how we get there. And we see it happen all the time I was talking to uh I went for coffee with another collective member this morning and she was talking about like how one of her clients just was just like oh my god I feel so supported like this is not how I thought postpartum was gonna be like this is amazing and it happens but yeah it's like being able to bring in and like call on many different um, facets of community to to get there together Been awesome and I hope that this has been really helpful for folks who are listening and uh, things that feel relevant to either your birth work or to whatever kind of work you're doing. Um, we would, on, on the note of staying connected to community, we'd love to get connected with any of you who are listening. Um, we're out here on the island but uh, no matter where you are, I think that's that's always great to have more connections Um, You can find us on the Nesting Doula Collective website at nestingdoulacollective.com on Instagram at nestingdoulacollective. (laughs) Yeah. Get on Instagram in a hot minute. Um, Yeah, it's, uh,
0: we're at (laughs) nesting.doula.collective.
1: There it is. And I'll let you plug the mutual aid as well.
0: Yeah, so we've been talking so much about mutual aid and how we do our work. And um, if you want to support our work, we are always looking for um, one time or monthly donors um, who can sustain our work long, long term. And really, like, we can't say this enough that our work is sustained by like, $5, $10, $20 donations from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people rather than those like $50,000 grants, which would be nice too. But it also actually is quite incredible and inspiring that, yeah, we have all these community members coming together to support each other and make, um, make care work in their communities possible. And, um, possible and sustainable family and sustainable yeah totally um this has been so great simone maybe we should continue doing this beyond the mini series thumbs up (laughs) all right well thank you for joining us everyone and yeah we hope that you reach out to us with the amazing work that you're doing and stay connected great take care everyone